Okay. Well, everyone, thanks for joining to continue our, our conversation about psychedelics for healing. And um, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. It gave me a chance to organize a lot of my thoughts into a presentation and be able to, to get a chance to start learning how to, to present some of this information. So it was really valuable for me. And plus, it was super enjoyable, and I learned a lot, too. And so today, I will um, continue in the spirit of the last two conversations, I'm making them conversational. Has it been surprising how much everyone in this group has had to contribute? So I look forward to more than that, more of that. The uh, main topic is to talk about integration, um, taking the experiences that we have under the force of these psychedelic medicines and bringing those back into our life uh, to to be able to to change to use them for transformation and healing so uh, oh, and the and the other possible topic that we can talk about is I'm gonna put together a few slides on a theme from my own psychedelic work over the years uh, part of what feels like a a, a core thread of, uh, of a curriculum that, that I've been given that we could optionally go into. And also what I'll probably do is pause between those two. I think uh, Doug had um, a little bit to contribute that he is prepared. And so my plan is to do it between, between those two. All right. So returning from the, <coughs> I shared a, a story <laughs> The, the first week of the second week about a reading I got to where Paul Selleck's guide said that using medicines to explore the upper realms is can be thought to trespassing in those realms. And so, you know, <laughs> once, once we have gone there and seen what we see, <clears throat> How do we take that to, uh, how do we bring that back? So integration, if, if we're doing psychedelics for healing and spiritual expansion, then integration is really important. And so I thought this quote was kind of helpful. A spiritual experience induced out of context of the rest of one's life and history is like a cut flower, beautiful, but with no prepared foundation in which to root and grow. The student of fate. And so I think when emphasizing the importance of integration, that's a helpful quote. But with a caveat for me, because I I do believe actually that some of the things that we see and experience under these experiences, we can't unsee, and the experience itself can be transformational. All right. So let's talk about navigating the dance between the realms. We may have spoken briefly about this too. 
it can even be a little jarring if once we've been acclimated sometimes into a space where we don't feel that normal fear entanglement that our 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 perception has been lifted above that. Um, it can even be a little jarring to come back. You know, so the the other the other thing on this part is that once we have experienced ourselves, the higher version of ourselves, you know, and oriented to what that upper chakra experience is like, like. And then we come back down and we start to settle back into our egoic uh, experience, our persona. Um, the integration work can be thought of as softening the identification with that. And patience can be really helpful in the process. I think healing happens in three phases the spiritual, the spiritual healing, I think, can happen during the experience itself. Sometimes in those psychedelic experiences, we can feel like there's almost a ceremonial healing that happened in real time. But then we come back, and then there's like an understanding in many cases that becomes very helpful and in some cases important, which can lag behind. It can take hours, days, sometimes months. I've had certain experiences that I felt like I finally understood it a few years later. And then finally, I think what lags behind the most is a healing at the physical level. Like sometimes our, our trauma is also in our cellular memory. And it feels to me like that can take the longest to heal. There can be an even longer lag time between the healing that started in those experiences ultimately are manifest in our lives to where we, we see and experience the healing. And so yeah, yeah, the other the other thing around the integration is so once the new higher choices have started to become within reach, um, that's one way our life can start to shift is what we saw and what we are, we were oriented to in the experience now. Some of those things turn into choices that now feel like they're, they're new choices that we can make where before uh, we had no context for them. Um, but a note here, it's, it's, it, it's unrealistic to think that all of the things that happen in a psychedelic experience are things that we can hold once we become into our ordinary consciousness. 
And so we have to be kind and gentle to ourselves or when we're in the force of the medicine, we see big changes in our life that we're going to be able to make. We come back and sometimes some of those things feel like a stretch. And so one of the things we always say is to never make any big decisions right after a journey. Until we've um, started to given ourselves time to fully acclimate back. Any additions or thoughts about that stuff we've talked about so far? All righty. So then talking a little bit about some of the actual integration techniques. One of the things we always encourage is to revisit the content of what came up, to spend some time contemplating it, and then journaling the experience. Write down as much as you can remember. It can be helpful to take the playlist and to re-listen to the music that you used during the experience. It can help a lot of times bring bring additional content back. Also very important to, to do integration sessions with the facilitator and or therapist, um, regardless of if the therapist uh, was part of the experience and to um, explore the meaning of what came up. Sometimes what happens is pretty cryptic. Sometimes it can be intense. <laughs> and so, so doing integration sessions with the facilitator and also with the therapist uh, is key. And a lot of times when we go into communion with these medicines, if we tend to go back more than once, especially, almost certainly at some point, some shadow work is going to come up. Some of the stuff that we've spent maybe a lifetime, decades, managing to distract ourselves away from, to be able to avert our gaze away from, are going to be put right in front of us in these psychedelic experiences. We're unable to look away. And we're going to be faced with it, with, with integrating some of those aspects of ourselves that may have had conditioned judgment cause us to be very opposed to considering that those things might be a part of us. And that's why they may have fragmented off in the first place. So continuing that shadow work is often a very big part of the integration work. And then A powerful practice is to then start to take some of the new learnings that came up and then study them, read books. I wouldn't have gotten into the log one if it wouldn't have been for my heart and mind being opened up to a mystical, mystical possibilities, the, the possibilities of magic being real. And then also it opened me up to spiritual traditions that I never would have been able to tune into. 
So studying things like the Kabbalah and again, uh, Law of One and even some of the other Eastern Sufism and some of the other Eastern traditions and have became a passion of mine to study all that. And the other thing that I always talk about with people who are coming back from these experiences, especially if they're doing this work, they're committing with these medicines for depression or from anxiety, is to start to look at some of the aspects of life which keep us out in the world exploring the unknown and some of these embodiment techniques, you know, a meditation practice. If you don't have one, consider starting a meditation practice. Breathing work, breath work, considering doing that. Movement. Do you have any dance or any kind of even exercise? Uh, is that part of your life? Is touch part of your life? Have you, or maybe if, if part of your trauma was around relationship with the opposite sex or the sex that you are are attracted to have you cut yourself off of that you know well the, did your experience with the medicine potentially uh make it possible to start considering um that or even massage you know but just the importance of human touch and then finally community um do you have community don't consider finding ways on an ongoing basis to have community in your life. Thoughts about those integration techniques? <clears throat> I think it's lovely how you've, uh, you've done some really given us, I think a robust way to help us integrate um, integrate that. And you gave some of your own examples about how you were touched by the law of one and different spiritual traditions. Uh, what meditation practice has been helpful for you? What I usually introduce folks to is, is really this, this answer to that question is the same as what I introduce people to. And mostly it's getting used to trusting the stillness of mind and the idea that our monkey mind is partially always in play because it thinks that all progress has to be figured out and done by our thinking mind. And the idea for me, or one big idea for me around meditation and and finding stillness is trusting the stillness. Trusting that we can be still and trust that all the things are going to unfold and manifest in our lives that are needed and that we don't have to figure them out and that we can spend some time. The other thing I say is the idea that I usually will somewhat chant early in my meditation is just, yes, God, like I'm here, I'm aware, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm uh, in an, in an, as, as kind of a, a, 
the idea of going into the stillness. Uh, what would you, maybe you can, um, maybe multiple people here would have ideas for what you would or what you have told people who are considering a meditation practice. What, what would your orientation be to get someone, giving someone an on-ramp for that? <clears throat> I'm just going to share a couple of things on that is the Richard Rohr, as many of you know, um, is one of, is my spiritual father, I guess you could say, and, and friend. And one of the things that he teaches of, as the definition of contemplation is something I'd never heard before. But when, when I listen or when I think about it and unpackage it inside my, myself, it, it's about a perfect definition as you can get. And contemplation for him is all of the reality that you can handle in any given moment. Whatever gets you to be able to handle the most comprehensive reality in that moment, whatever that is, that's contemplation. Um, and so for some people, it's quite, it, it, it's always going to be some level of quietening the left brain, the logical thinker mind. Um, but sometimes people need to walk and have a somatic feeling so that their brain opens up. Uh, others can do it by sitting down. Um, so there's probably lots of different ways, but it would be a way in which I think we would phenomenologically, <laughs> that's a word, um, the feeling and the experience of it for us would be one in which we are thrust into transcendence and feeling a sense of connection with that which is transcendent, to us, but is us. And also we would feel a connection to those things that are all around us as being a part of us in some way. I think that would be a good way to understand maybe meditation or contemplation. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> what would, how about this question? What? You say to someone who is finding the ability to have a regular morning meditation practice and over a long period of time, it's still very uneventful, very quiet and, you know, not, not mystical and kind of pedestrian feeling, you know, like, I'm not sure anything is happening. Uh, was that a question? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Does anybody have a re reflection to Would that? You, like, like, do I have any thoughts about like what, what's what's a good way to respond to that? Um, I would. Um... I would try to maybe help them with, even with like a YouTube practice or something, maybe um, I like listening to these chants that are- Something guided? I think they're called creep. 
Yeah, so maybe a self-guided depending, like I like to listen to these Kriyas and if I listen to them for a few minutes, then I can turn them off and then get quiet and it's really nice or just I think there's different ways. Like some people just can't quite get there. So maybe trying to find a different way to help them. Um, I think through there's a lot of different kinds of musics or music or guided journeys that they could do. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I think I might also say, depending on the person, like, welcome to meditation. Uh, I don't know. It's like, it's just, that's how it is. It's just routine and there's nothing magical or mystical that happens. Sometimes maybe it does, but it's more about like the effects you see in your life from doing yeah. it. I don't know. I'm not saying that with good words, but yeah. No, I appreciate that. That's that's helpful. Thank you. I usually try to find out where they are experiencing God if there's if it's not in a particular kind of meditation. And where where do they experience God or where do they experience something transcendent? And then we say, okay, well how can we make that more part of your practice, your regular practice? And uh so I try to work with how spirit is showing up and uh, try to flow with that rather than, and then try to get them to be creative. So just to try a bunch of different things, which has already been said, but uh, I agree with that. I love that, Troy. Thank you. That's great. All right. Well, that's, does anybody have any questions on integration before I turn it over to, to the, give Doug a few minutes to, to talk about what he had. I just had one question. Are there any people that you encounter that you recommend that they don't do any other plant medicine? I mean, sure. For, for me, I'm mostly working with people who, are wanting to do some deep healing and they feel like they've tried a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. So if somebody doesn't fit that category, I don't have an issue with somebody using them recreationally <laughs> as long as they go into it. <laughs> it might not be what they wanted. Um, but, um, and the other thing, there can be contraindications. And then usually we say if someone has had any psychotic episodes that the intensity of these experiences mm -hmm. can trigger someone having a psychotic episode. And so, and then there are some medicines which will be a good idea for someone that has you know, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, you know, some of these medicines, especially like um, MDMA, the physically the body sees it as like an amphetamine. Mm -hmm. So it raises it raises the heart rate, it raises body temperature, it um, raises the blood pressure. Did that, was that? Yeah, I just, I was just, what you encounter. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have a question. So have you ever seen anybody who like had like, who had to do shadow work that had a negative effects from it like you know having a bad trip and then like being 
like worse off like psychologically or mentally than before what a great question um it's not super uncommon to go into some work with something and not it by the end and to be still in that mindset of being immersed in something that was difficult and have that um, that's not super unusual works with these medicines times and they keep saying yes to going back and going deeper you know that that's not an un, unlikely scenario to happen um, i've also seen situations where they start working through it comes back with them in a, a dense place and then they do another one and then it completes in the next one. See that rare comes back heavy, heavier than they started. Most of the time it's resolved within a day or two. And integration can be super important for helping. Have you ever uh, seen somebody who like kind of abandoned it halfway through said like, this is too hard. Fuck this. And then who had this bad experience was dealing with all this heavy stuff and thought, you know, maybe I can't deal with this. And so try stop and then, you know, well, I, I've heard of cases maybe help you to death from the mindset or surrender into it. Um, I've, you know, I mentioned before where I entered somewhat of a hell realm when I should have had a facilitator and I didn't, I was doing it so low. It was just a, it was just a bad decision on my part it was another case where i got asked to join something and i i did and the facilitator wasn't able to help me navigate the space that i got into and it was super unpleasant so but it took a little while it's um so oh i know what i was going to say about if you do it in a clinical setting in some cases they will use um a people either to help someone to abort their experience. I don't know of anyone in any of the underground traditions or shamanic traditions that would ever give someone a tranquilizer to abort, you know, the hard work that they're doing and that, that at that moment is super unpleasant. That was awesome. Uh, that really answered my question. I think I was just, I've never had a bad experience doing psychedelics. I've only really done mushrooms, uh, but uh, I've always been a little bit worried or concerned that like, you know, I would just be overwhelmed or too much and I'd want to get out, but it's kind of comforting to know that you kind of just have to do the work and get through it. Uh, anyway. Yeah, you're welcome. 
And the other thing is, if you've done a particular medicine a few times and the energy of that medicine, um, you're able to harmonize with it well, the likelihood that all of a sudden you're going to have, uh, you know, a really bad experience with that particular medicine goes down over time. Um, you know, you kind of get to learn how your body or how your, your, your system reacts to that particular medicine. And one of the things we'll tell somebody is like, especially with the classic psychedelics, which, which mushrooms is absolutely in that category. You know, don't do a, a high dose, especially not by yourself the first time with that medicine. Is you just, you don't know how sensitive you are to it and, and you don't know how well your system uh, works with it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, Doug. Over to you. I'm going to stop sharing my screen for now. Okay. Well, <clears throat> you are seeing how amazing Leon is doing and giving us this um, presentation. And I asked for a few minutes because I wanted to share some things from the Law of One on just some things to consider. Uh, metaphysically, when we are doing these kinds of practices, <clears throat> because uh, there is a specific cosmic law, and Ra calls it the law of responsibility. I would assume it's somewhat connected to the law of karma. Um, maybe it's a variation of that. And so we're going to talk about the law of responsibility in relationship to doing uh, psychedelics for spiritual growth. And so I, I just thought I would like to share that with you because it's important. Um, and the second thing is, and we're, we'll get to that in a minute, but the second thing is, is that uh, I think when psychedelics can be seen as instruments to get into unitive consciousness, on a more full-time basis, then that is a, a really great way to understand uh, psychedelics. And I think maybe it might be good to have a presentation in the future on what it's like to live from unitive conscious more and more. What does that look like? Because um, if maybe if we have some sense of what that might be like without psychedelics, then we can have a bit of a metric in our mind as to what it looks like when we're living in our immediacy of our life situations without psychedelics, but start to enjoy uh, more the unit of consciousness. So I, I think that might be a good presentation to have in the future. So that psychedelics are then used in the service of unit of consciousness in our daily life. Anyways, I just wanted to put that out there. Okay, so the law of responsibility. This is something I wrote um, that's combining Ra's information, and I had it vetted with some people that I trust, including Gary and Austin, who uh, are at LNL. So I'm going to read it out loud. Um, the law of responsibility is the honor and duty of third density beings to put into practice 
their level of understanding of the law of love that they have learned and processed over many lifetimes. It is a cosmic law or way that helps beings progress, progress upon their paths by adjusting catalytic experiences to course correct in accordance with one one's proximity to love and light. A nuanced example of this includes how the honored duty of putting into action specific information given or discovered directly affects a spiritual seeker's journey. So to re- restate that in a different way, whatever you're given, whatever is revealed to you, whatever level of love and light that you can understand inside here and something may be given to you, it, there's a cosmic law that says you've got to incarnate, incarnate that. You have to embody that. You have to give it away. <laughs> and there's lots of parables, for example, in the New Testament that talk about the more you give away the gifts that you have, the more you actually receive them. And, and then you're, you're actually given more responsibility, a greater way to then give out love and light. So the more you give away, you actually get more um, in the spiritual life. But there is an, it's a very important concept, the law of responsibility, because if we don't embody and incarnate our way of understanding love in our actual life, then we can have some, we can experience some karmic imbalances. <clears throat> so here would be another thing that's important to put out. This is directly from the Law of One, and I'm going to read it verbatimly. Um, I titled this slide, Quickened Rate of Learning, Learning Teaching and the Law of Responsibility. So just to say, uh, if we're using psychedelics to help us progress more quickly on the path, um, which is fine. Just know that there's a certain law of responsibility that is important for us to understand. So, um, session 6016 says, however, it is our observation that due to the complexity of influences upon the unmanifested being at the space time nexus upon your planetary peoples, it is to pro- it is best that the progress of, of the mind-body-spirit complex take place without, as you call them, training aids. Because when using a training aid, an entity takes upon itself the law of responsibility for the quickened or increased rate of learned teaching. If this greater understanding, if we may use this misnomer, is not put into practice in the moment-by-moment experience of the entity, then the usefulness of the training aid becomes negative. And um, so this was back in the 80s. This was before the emergence of plant medicine, more on this global scale that we have here now. But Ra's point is well taken because in the past they had given the pyramids. This is coming from the part in the material that the, the pyramids are talked about. And uh, the pyramids are, are seen as training aids for us to learn how to become 
portable pyramids, basically. Portable pyramids without the pyramids learning how to do that. And, but what happened was, is both in Egypt and also in South America, and maybe in other places in the world, but those are the two that were talked about in the Law of One material, is that um, the six density entities, Ra, and then there was one other entity, um, one other group that worked in South America, they had um, given the pyramids and then began to teach healing and initiation and things like that through the pyramids to people. And the, the idea was that anybody could come and get rebalanced and get healing. It was, was meant for the populace. But pretty quickly, because of um, our particular condition of being here in third density, uh, the lower, lower chakra blockage, which manifests as bellicosity, manifests as us and them and scapegoating and all of that. What happened was, is all, the power of the pyramids began to be in the service of the elites. Um, and, and then it was seen as a way to be royal and then kind of manipulate uh, others below them. And so it got reversed. It became what was a positive thing and a positive training wheel was actually reversed and became in the service of service to self. So I'm not saying that that's going to happen with the plant medicine, but it is important, I think, for us just to make our intentions very clearly that when we want to try something like this to learn spiritual growth, that we, we are very, very clear up front with our intention on doing said things from the position of wanting to learn how to serve more. So I, I might invite all of us to consider that if you're going to do this, which I invite everybody to do, I think it's great to do the psychedelics, to first make it the intention of I want to serve, I want to learn how to serve more. I want to learn how to serve more clearly and less distortedly. And I want to learn how to serve from the highest and greatest good for other people and for myself. Like if that can be the rock solid intention and then underneath that or, or congruent with that would be, and I also want to use these psychedelics for my own spiritual growth so that I may serve. So if you can kind of get that priority structure lined up really well and solid, uh, I think then you will be shown how to serve in the embodied form once the medicine has died down and then go out and actually put it into practice. And that would keep that law of responsibility um, balanced inside us. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, do you have any thoughts on that or does that make sense? Yeah. So it's just to be able to use the psychedelic and plant medicine from uh, the highest and greatest good um, would be the way to, I think, orient our minds. So that's what I wanted to share. Hey, Doug, can you hear me? Yes. He... Doug? Yes. Hey, it's Pete DeSico. Hi, everyone. Hi. I really have been enjoying jumping in and listening to all this 
you know, one thing that came to my mind um, with the comments you were making regarding integration is one of the teachings I've um, that's helped me as someone who's tried different things in life, mainly meditation type approaches, not um, psychedelic, is that the self unfolds by itself through itself within itself. Ultimately, we're all a sovereign unit that's also synchronistically integrated with everyone else and everything else, but they both coexist together. So I think the, the key, at least from my point of view, is that, that my life or your life is perfect the way it is. I know we all suffer, we all have issues, but in some ways we have to accept our own perfection, even the perfection of the imperfection. And be gentle with trying to bend the will of God, so to speak. Not that we shouldn't try to bend the will of God. <laughs> you know, although that's, you know, it's hard, you know, it, it, that's something anyone can do. But just be gentle with our own will, yes. You know, because our will is an extension of the will of God. It's a trans transformation of the will of God in the individual. And so that's why I think, you know, Perceived meditation works. Um, different forms work. At different times, you have to step back. I, I went through, in my life, you know, decades of serious practice and became very attached to my practice and all that. And, you know, my lesson was to let go and just stop for a while. Don't try to do anything. And ultimately, that's the ultimate teaching of of meditation and practices is total complete acceptance of the moment whatever that may be as best we can it's hard not to let the mind get in there and change things but i think to me that's you know a, a good teaching it's just that we are all unfolding within ourselves by ourselves you know an expression of the will of the universal you know through our individual we try to be easy about ourselves and accepting you know, I thought it was well taken. You know, what was the term you used? That Ross said these uh, uh, pyramids were used as tools or something like that? Yeah, training aids. Mm -hmm. Practices. Training aids, yeah. Yeah, training aids, they're all training aids. They're all like hammers, screwdrivers, or spoons. You know, the, all these things, whether it's drugs, whether it's a mental technique, whether it's worship. They're all um, intentional activities we do, and they can all go both ways. You know, we can use them to gently move our evolution forward and help build a better house for ourselves, move out of a hut maybe of life into something that's a, a grander home. And I don't mean that in a material way, you know, because the, the ultimate home is how we feel, I think. Because ultimately, when it's all said and done, how do you feel? The last thing that's going to be experienced... <laughs> when we drop our bodies or whatever happens is, well, how do you feel? And so we're all moving into, you know, hopefully more expansive, integrated levels of feeling. So that's kind of my thoughts uh, following Doug. And, you know, very uh, interesting presentation. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, one, one, one thing I, I'd like to add to that is, on my own, 
my own perspective, what I've learned from these medicines becoming a big part of my life is I'm convinced at these points that uh, this was intended to be my path all along. You know, there's the medicines are there. I believe that they've been put there for healing. And um, I probably said, you know, maybe more than once on during my presentation is I feel like this medicine saved my life. You know, I certainly didn't start out when I was in the depth of my depression in a place of being able to even grasp the idea that all is perfect. Just the way it is, you know, that, that was beyond my ability to reach. I had tried to meditate at some points. I just, uh, it was, it wasn't until I did my first ayahuasca ceremony that I was able to sit. And so, yeah, I believe the medicines are, uh, don't break any of that. All the things that Peter said to me, the medicines are all, um, it's, uh, it all fits. And the choice to use the medicine, being called towards the medicine, all that, I think it, uh, I think the idea between, is somewhat paradoxical, the idea between when do I act and when do I steer and when do I be, be surrendered to what is? If there's a dance that we do between the two. I mean, taking action and stepping into the unknown is, is part of the service that we choose to, to do here. And for some people, um, I think psychedelics can absolutely, they, they, they're, they're just part of the, the banquet, part of what's available. Beautiful. Um, Danny, did you have a comment? Well, I, what Leon just finished with there, was what I was talking about was um, one of the practices I use, which is a course of love, which um, the person received that believed it came from Jesus. And one of the things he would say is, the time of learning has ended and it's time to move into experiential knowing. And I think that's one of the humbling things about um, psychedelics in my experience, which later in life has been a real intentional thing, is that there is this moment of this totally being overwhelmed that requires acceptance and uh, surrender that I think is 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 a is a part of practice for moving through any trauma through moving into the new ways of knowing ourselves as divine beings uh having a human experience as doug you often say uh, Ra talks about you know oh it's like god coming to know himself i mean these are very overwhelming um experiences and we try and control them with our mind we try and do a lot of things so i think that's one thing that the psychedelics did for me uh 
was they did play on some other experiences I've had in my life, some panic attacks, some really overwhelming times in life, but I got clearer on the surrender. And when the surrender takes place, the fear subsides and, and, and the journey really does go to, you know, healing and integrating places. So, you know, I do think it does take us out of, out of our uh, teaching, learning head experience and the experiential knowledge that I think is really important for this time on earth. Nice. Indeed. And maybe one little quick response uh, on what I think part of what Doug was saying. For most people, the experience, you know, on a good day with these medicines, it's, an, it, it's a connection to the heart. And it's an opening of the heart. You know, my initial experience, or I, I call it two things. It was my spiritual initiation, but it was also my introduction to my heart. And that, from my experience, guiding now quite a few people through the process, I find it very common for people to find their heart, what their heart feels like, and have their own guiding system come online through that. And so I think that one of the things from my perspective that is unique about these medicines is, you know, I've said this before, maybe I'll add this, maybe Doug has, has really helped me to think of another thing to add on is like one thing that makes psychedelics unique is the suspension of disbelief is on a good day built into the experience. And the suspension of disbelief, I think is part of what makes them powerful. But the other thing that may be unique about these medicines is they tend to very consistently align someone to their heart, to be heart opening. And again, on a good day, people come out of feeling like they have a connection to everything and everyone. And so the tendency is towards the direction of doing what Doug was saying that we would set intentions for going in, medicine, from my experience, has a tendency to pull, to be gravity towards that as it is. Beautiful. And I would say your capacity here to teach us to be a teacher, a, a shaman, if you will, for the plant medicine um, is indeed your living out uh, the law of responsibility, uh, given that you were called to the medicine and then you have gone through with that and now you're teaching others in such an embodied way. You're very, very embodied when you speak. You can feel the, the love, really, that, that you have, the respect and love you have for the plant medicine, but also for people that are going to be taking it. You see how serious and important it is for me, this would be an example. You are an example, I think, of what Ra is saying. Look, it'll help you on your journey. Uh, do it. Just know that you got to put into embodied, manifested form the love that you end up learning, that unit of consciousness that you encounter in the altered state. Make it a permanent stage. And I would say that 
you have given us an example of what that looks like. So thank you, really. Oh, thank you, Dad.